Courtney. Hey, Sasha. What's the ghost capital of Alaska? I don't know. What is it? Boono. Ooh, it's a geography fun fact on Spoop Hour. <laughs> Hour, a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This is Sasha. This is Courtney. And if you're asking yourself, I thought Anchorage was the capital of Alaska. Is that not the case? It is not the case. Juno is the capital of Alaska. And I looked it up to double check for the sake of that joke before I texted it to Sasha yesterday. <laughs> it's also so. a good good joke about like uh, Juno, Alaska. Yeah. Juno, you know, Alaska. You know? Yeah. You know what I know. (laughs) You know what I know. As always, you can find us on the social medias at Spoop Hour on Instagram and Twitter. And also communicate with us via email, spoophourgmail.com. Has anybody Um, communicated with us via email, Sasha? Someone has. Nora has. Who asks, do we want to hear about ravens? Hell yes, yes, we want to hear about ravens. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, always. Always. Always Always. I want to hear about ravens. They're so smart. Whenever I think... Well, when and I think about ravens, I think about that time that I wore a black dress with like bird silhouettes on it to the Edgar Allan Poe Museum in Richmond. I gave you that dress. Yeah, you gave me that dress. It was a good dress. It was except that I also busted out of hives. That's true. That had nothing (laughs) to do with me. That That had nothing to do with the dress. That was not me trying to poison Sasha. No, I think it was Edgar Allan Poe trying to poison me. Edgar Allan poison. 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 Yeah, I was a beautiful cousin that he could not marry, so he We know he loves those. Yeah, he loves those, so he poisoned me, because he <laughs> loves tragic women. That's his favorite. <laughs> I was tragically covered in hives. <laughs> He's like, I'll make you tragic. Boop. Boop. <laughs> anyway. So, of course, we want to hear about ravens. So this is from Nora. I will read this from Nora. Okay. I grew up in Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories. This is Canada, eh? Hey. Hey. <laughs> It's polar bear country, but just barely, and honestly, I was never uh, as scared of the bears as the ravens. Some of my earliest memories are after my brother is born. I'm three. People walk up to us in the street, and several of them look at my brother in his stroller and say, Oh, what a cute baby. Be careful. The ravens will steal them. But it was never said as a joke, so it was more like, Be careful. The ravens will steal him. <laughs> Your mission, should you choose to accept choose it, to accept it <laughs> is not be stolen by a raven. Quoth the raven, dibs on this baby. <laughs> dibs on this baby. <laughs> I'm four when I'm crawling around and looking for good pe- pebbles to make inukshuks while my mother checks the mail. Behind her, my brother is in his stroller. A raven coasts down and lands on a metal post nearby, leaning into the stroller to look at him closely. My mother isn't reacting. She didn't hear. The raven leans closer, and I scream and rush out from the mail bins to scare him away. Until, uh, Except when I got right up next to him, he just stared right at me, then calmly took off like he decided he could take me, but it wasn't (laughs) worth it. He wasn't scared. Winters in Yellowknife get real cold, like minus 40 degrees was normal. The ravens had figured out a trick. The street lamps were automatic and turned on when it was dark, and they heated up. The ravens would sit snug up on top of the street lamps, so the whole line was lined with toasty ravens, one per light. See, I really like that image, but... the toasty ravens. The toasty ravens sitting on the street lamps. So cozy. But what happens when the sun comes up and the lights turn off? The ravens would casually stretch their wings down and cover the sensor, and the light would turn back on for an hour. (laughs) See, birds are smart. They are. Ravens especially. Yep. I'm just going to turn the sensor back on. (laughs) Don't mind if I do. Yeah. I think I was six when my sister explained it to me, and we watched them all day, periodically stretching a wing down like pressing a button. That was intelligence, and I was terrified of them. 
Have you ever heard of a cr- about the crow vetting machine experiment? Corvids are freaky smart. On a letter note, my older oldest daughter, Morgan, was born with a serious stork bite. She has these upside-down triangle birthmarks on her foreheads and on the back of her head, which made it look like a beak had picked her up by the head like a potato oh picked God. up with a pair of tongs. <laughs> oh, I, that's a really strong image, a potato. That's a great pick, metaphor. I'm just imagining now a baby being picked up with a pair of tongs. Like a potato. Uh, and left marks on both sides. It faded away by the time she was five, but it always made me chuckle and pretend to bite her head. She thought it was hilarious. Cute. Anyway, I love you guys. Bye. We love Mwah, you, Nora. Kisses. We love you the most, Nora. Just yeah. kidding. We love all of you the most. It's a tie yeah. for first. But, but but yes, Corvids are freaky smart. We are coming at you. It is Monday evening for us, and there are <laughs> intermittent thunderstorms. So if you hear rumbling, that's what that is. We're not dying. We're not being invaded, probably. Yeah. It's this, your typical thun- summer thunderstorm. Yeah. It was real loud yeah. over here earlier. Which yeah, is probably the yeah. spooky thing that happened to me this week. Did anything <laughs> spooky happen to you this week? Not really. Yeah. I, I've been getting some more stuff done, especially, like, gardening-wise and, like, wedding, uh, mini-wedding prep-wise. Yeah. Salvaging the wedding that we can't have socially Yay. distanced. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, a scary thing that happened to me today was I needed to go out in public and run errands. The worst. And, yeah, it's just... It's it's more anxiety-inducing now than it's ever been because, like, you know, 90% of people know how to wear their mask, but there's, like, 10% of the people who don't know how to wear their mask. They yeah. just have it, like, sitting on their chin yeah. with their, like, mouth or under exposed their nose. or, like, their like, nose. come on. And I'm just like... Both your you, holes. Both your holes. <laughs> All of them. You gotta... All- gotta Keep that muffled. Cover cover your eye holes, too, while you're at it. Just cover everything. Just cover everything. Just Stay put your home. Head in bubble. No. Yeah. I, I did visit my boyfriend this weekend. You did! Yay! For the first time in three months. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I'm trying not to feel guilty about it because I'm going to try and see him more frequently. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, in the middle of a two-week quarantine for other reasons. But I think you're doing great. Thank you. Anyway, but when I went to see him <laughs> walking to him, there's a lot of construction being done on his block in D.C. And on the back mm-hmm. of one of the signs, it said, Jesus is mute in the West. And then underneath it, it said, Satan is loud. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and, like, I was hoping that as I got closer to his place, there would be more signs, like, clarifying what that meant. But right. it did not. It did not. And it's worth noting, there is a church across the street from where my boyfriend lives. So it's not like it's this, like, godless wasteland. People are trying. <laughs> right. But, you know, Jesus is mute in the West. <laughs> Satan, Satan is loud. loud. That's really metal. And I was like, all right. I have no further questions. So I have was no that. further and then questions. I will say last night, I think I might have had some sleep paralysis last night. Because oh, I God. woke up. At 12.30, and I felt really weird, and I felt like I had been lying awake for hours, which couldn't possibly have been true. And then, like, I was super disoriented, and I, like, stumbled to the bathroom, and I turned on everything except the bathroom light, and then I took a Benadryl and went back to sleep. So, you know, (laughs) it was fine. It turned out okay. Yeah, I woke up at 3.30 on the couch this (gasps) morning. The witching hour. Which was, I didn't remember falling asleep on the couch. Yeah. (laughs) It was just one of those things where I think I was sitting up and then I was you awake no at three thirty and was like, uh That's fine. So yeah, it's fine. It's quarantine, baby. Hey, it's the quarantimes. We hope you're hanging in there with the quarantimes. We sure yeah. are. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where like it's summer, people are starting to get restless after three months of quarantining. Yeah. Make sure you're still keeping yourself and your uh, you know, your p- important people safe in yeah. your family. Don't don't be risky. Yep. For, for like, not a good reason. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Keep wearing those masks. Get cute yes. masks. We should yes, make spoop hour masks. <laughs> we should make spoop hour masks, actually. Yeah, let's, I'll, I'll consult with Mysterious Third Roommate, see if we can commission her for a spoop hour mask design. What are we talking about today? It's been so long since we, we've done this, I forget how we podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I, it's, I, I think it's been it's been a while since you and I have also talked face-to-face, or not face-to-face, well, camera-to-camera. Camera-to-camera, like this yeah, too. and also, yeah. I literally got off work five minutes before we started talking this evening, so I'm still mm-hmm. kind of in, like, work mode, where I'm, like, thinking, yeah. of like, okay, and I need to do that, and I need to do that, and I need to do this, mm-hmm. okay, okay. So, like, trying to get my brain out of, like, work to-dos and into spoop to-dos is yeah. proving so, challenging. So. Let's, let's start so sh- shifting those gears in your brain because we are going way up north oh. to Alaska, hey. where 
this weekend was solstice, and so our friend and listener, Teresa... Teresa! If you saw on her social medias, she posted, like, video of, like... In, or photos and stuff like enjoying like you know solstice in Alaska because it's basically all daylight now up yes. there. So um, I will say I did not plan this, but I just realized that my chosen water glass for the day is the glass from Teresa's wedding. That's spooky. Very spooky. So <laughs> very spooky. Teresa's wedding and actually her anniversary three years ago on Thursday. This week. Yeah, her wedding yeah. anniversary is on Thursday of this week. So happy anniversary, Teresa and Tom. Is that Thursday. I'm glad I no, got is that Wednesday. There. Yes. It's you're Wednesday. right. Today's the 22nd. Today's Tom, the 22nd. Yeah. Tomorrow, when you're listening to this episode, tomorrow is their wedding anniversary. Yes. Anyway. So happy anniversary to them. Happy solstice. Happy it solstice. is now officially summer. I was in Alaska for this wedding, and it's expensive when you are by yourself in the tourist season in Alaska having a room in a B&B. So I was only there for like two days. And so I crammed a lot of Alaska into those two days because I did a glacier cruise Mm -hmm. i went to a wildlife rescue and i went to Teresa's wedding and i did a trolley tour but because it was just after the solstice they get like full-on 24 hours of daylight (laughs) because there's a picture of me and Teresa on her wedding day that we took as i was leaving the wedding and it looks like it's noon it was 10 p.m but (laughs) it was like When we say it doesn't get dark, the sun will dip a little bit, so you'll almost get, like, the beginning of a sunset at, like, 2 a.m., and then it comes right the fuck back up, and then it it does not go down. It comes right the fuck back up. Because, like, my flight out was at, like, 4 a.m., and so I had to be up at 3 to get the cab to the airport, and it was fucking broad daylight, like... Broad daylight. It was was fucking weird. So if you you haven't ever seen pictures of Alaska at, at... I'm air quoting, night in the summer. It's worth watching a time-lapse video of, like, what the sun does. So I just looked it up. Yes. Relative to Virginia, Alaska is 14 times bigger. And to give you guys an idea, if you wanted to drive from, like, northern Virginia down to North Carolina, it will only take you about three and a half hours. Well, maybe four hours with yeah, traffic Yeah, depending on stuff. where you're coming from and where in North Carolina you're going. I think it's five hours total to go from the tippity-top of Virginia to the bibbity-bottom of Virginia. Bibbity-bottom, yeah. So it's it's like five, not, six hours. Well, and then it is a very wide state. Like, yes. if you're going from, like, basically Kentucky the very all the way... The east eastest part to the westy-westest part. The westy part, yeah. If you're going from Virginia Beach to, yeah. like, From where Satan is quiet to where Satan is loud. It's loud, yep. Yeah. Virginia, yeah, so... Virginia is only about 102,000 square kilometers, and Alaska is a a 1 million, basically (laughs) 1.5 square kilometers. So it's uh, 1,345% larger than Virginia. Alaska's fucking huge. The population of the county where you and I live is Mm -hmm. roughly... As of 2011, it was 1.1 million. It's probably bigger than that based on, like, stuff that I've seen, like, the county government put out lately about, like, overall growth. Alaska, as of 2019, only had about 700,000 people. (laughs) So (laughs) So it's not a lot of people in a very big space. Big state. Guess what that's a recipe for? And while our county is very historic and you get a lot of historical ghost sightings, we don't have, in the winter, we still get daylight. Like, not a ton yeah. of it, but we still get it. In the winter in Alaska, it's just dark. I think that's the scariest part about Alaska, is that there's half a year that is just yeah. dark. <laughs> the sun goes down in, like, September, and then it does not come back up until, like, March. <laughs> it makes for some really cool time-lapse videos, but mm-hmm. I would be too scared. Yeah, it's very... So, <laughs> so obviously... That's why people the... travel up there during the summer. Yes. Watch out for mosquitoes, though. They are fucking yeah. giant and relentless there, but... It's why there why we wanted to do an Alaskan spoop episode because where you get a lot of remote places and not a ton of people who are sitting in the dark for six months, spooky things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna talk about some of those spooky things. So the first ghost I'm gonna talk about is called the old woman. Mm. So it's like you and me. Yes. <laughs> She's <Yes>. thirty. <laughs> She's flirty and She's thriving. basically dead. <laughs> she's basically dead. Her bones hurt all the time, and she thinks she's dying. It's fine. I did a Rod Mushers share the tale of the old woman. She shares a name with a mountain and a cabin in Nome County. 
So I say Nome County because like the closest stuff to it is like Nome is a long way away. And then there's a tiny town called Unalakleet, which is also still pretty far away. But these are kind of like the two because, again, Alaska's big. So big. if you're trying to anchor yourself to cities, you're not going to succeed because there are not many. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Sharing a name with a mountain and a cabin in in Nome County, the old woman is the ghost of an indigenous woman who died at some point in the late 1800s, if she ever existed. Our ghost's real. The most common tale states that the old woman lived in the remote cabin that shares her name when she was trapped in an avalanche and met her end in the snow. So now she watches over the mountain and surrounding area to make sure others don't share her fate. Around her signature mountain, the old woman reportedly hums, but those in the area who are pretty much just mushers, like only people who are running certain dog sled trails are going anywhere near this mountain unless you are a tourist going specifically to visit this mountain. Because again, there's nothing around it. It's the middle of nowhere. Right. No offense to Alaska. Much of it's the middle of nowhere. But it's beautiful middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Like all the moose go hua. Yeah. It is so beautiful. It looks fake. It looks like somebody painted it. It's crazy. So anyway, so those in the area who are typically mushers and most typically mushers running the Iditarod, like the be all and end all in dog sledding. If you're not following Blair Braverman on Twitter, you should be. She's great. And Mm -hmm. she posts a lot of pictures of her dogs who are very good. Anyway, so if you are running the Iditarod with your dog sledding team, you are warned not to stay in the area and listen to the old woman humming because... As one musher, Dee Dee Jonro, found out, she said that on a run, she stayed at Old Woman Mountain for nearly 24 hours. So it started as a pit stop to rest the dogs, because generally, if you're dog sledding, you you genuinely love your dogs and you're treating them well, and it's not animal abuse. Mm -hmm. So it started as a pit stop to rest the dogs, but then she was listening to the humming, and then she kind of lost track of time and got lost in the song. And then she was like, oh shit, a full day has passed since I stopped here. Oh, God. Two other mushers on the Norman Vaughn Serum Run went to Unalakleet, which, again, is the closest town to the mountain, which is Mm -hmm. not that close. They shared a harrowing sighting. While they were coming down a gradual descent, they saw an old woman in a kuspuk, which is a hooded overshirt with a large front pocket commonly worn among Alaskan natives. Thank you, Wikipedia. I did not know that, but it sounds cozy. Her face was shrouded in darkness and her hood was up, and she was floating two feet off the ground. Now, Alaska's a magical place, but this is an odd thing to see. Mm-hmm. Most people walk on the ground. The mushers remembered that they had been warned not to stare at the face of any mysterious women they encountered on their journey, and so they avoided her gaze and returned to their travels with their heads down, not looking back. Another musher, Doug Catchatag, was in the area for a local run with his dogs when three miles above Old Woman Mountain, his team slowed. When he turned on his headlamp to see what had spooked the dogs, he noticed that their fur was standing on end. He tried to get them to run, but the dogs refused. Finally, he got the team to move, but they were hesitant and slow. Mm. And that is when a shadowy figure appeared from nowhere and grabbed Catchatag's shoulders. He shouted, get out of here! I'm just running a race! I'm not bothering you! (laughs) Which is probably what I would say in a similar situation. (laughs) Please leave me alone, I'm so sorry. I'm this leaving, was, I'm leaving, okay, okay. I'm so sorry, I'm get, I'll get out of your hair, I'm so sorry. sorry. This was enough to satisfy the spirit and catch a tag got away, but he was now into it. He was like, this is spooky and interesting, I want to do more research. So he came back to further investigate the area. Oh my god. And so he went to the old woman cabin, and while there, he saw a nail dislodge itself from a window and embed itself into the wood behind him and his companion. No! <laughs> Another visitor to the cabin brought his whole family, because, you know, it's a whole fun family ghost outing <laughs> to right? old woman cabin. If we're going to die, we're all going to die together. That's so sweet. <laughs> the youngest boy was exploring the attic. Don't go in the attic. We've been over this. And so he was up in the attic, and he saw a beautiful woman who started singing. No! He became entranced, and ultimately his family had to physically pull him away from the attic. And after they were able to get out of the cabin, they refused to ever go back. What the fuck? 
But for the most part, the old woman is mostly not considered to be malevolent. Like, she spooks people a couple of times, but most people see that she's, like, protecting the area and trying to protect people from getting in harm's way. Because if you'll remember, one of her most common origin stories is that she died in an avalanche in the region. Mm -hmm. So she's like, hey, guys, are you sure you need to be coming through here? Because avalanches happen. Four time Iditarod champion Susan Butcher even requested her ashes be scattered at Old Woman Mountain upon her death in 2006. And visitors and mushers alike often feel something spiritual watching over them. Some will leave offerings for the old woman, and the belief is if you leave her an offering, it will guarantee that she will watch over your journey and guarantee your safe passage. Aww. So I think because she's like this like nice watchful presence, I'm wondering if the spooky instances like the humming is probably just her like I just like to hum. But like yeah. when she grabs people, she's probably like, What the fuck is wrong with you? Do you know how cold and remote it is out here? Get right. the fuck out of here. So Oh. Yeah, so that's See, the old woman. She would have helped the person in my first missing sto- person story. I believe if, it. Yeah. But Alaska's big and it probably didn't happen near Malakleet. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> no. Actually, now I want to take check a map. <gasps> yes, let's check a map of Alaska. Yeah. Okay, directions to Denali National Park. Oh, Denali, Park. that's where the vampire family lives in Twilight. Yep, very far. Because <laughs> the one you were talking about is, like, it's the tip, like that bottom yeah. tip, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's where Nome is. And Nome, I think, was a port city. Ah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's closer to Anchorage, basically. Mm. Denali, where my my guy goes missing. Tell me your spooky story. Okay, so it's not so much spooky as it is sad, but also timely, because there was, when we were both like, let's do Alaska this week, and then there was, like, breaking news about Alaska. (gasps) Okay, so I'm going to talk about Bus 142. Oh, yep. My research came from AbandonedPlaygrounds.com, The New York Times, and CNN. So Bus 142 used to be found in a clearing on the Stampede Trail next to the Susanna River River. Or uh, maybe it's Susanna. How's it spelled? S-U-S-H-A-N-A. Sushana? Sushana, yeah. Okay. Who knows? That, that river. river. In the Denali National Park in Alaska. The bus from the 1940s was used by commuters of the Fairbanks City Transit System and was left behind in the 1960s by a construction company that used the bus to transport construction crew around the Denali National Park and was left, like, in this clearing once the bus had been broken down. Basically, they couldn't tow it out of where it was, so they were just like, ah, leave it. Mm. So, basically, it spent the next, like, 50 years or so being used as a shelter for the traveling, the hunting, patrolling, and trapping, even though it was in a place that was quite hard to get to. The most famous person who used this bus as a shelter was Chris McCandless in 1992. A sidebar, he actually grew up in the neighborhood across from where I grew up. Only one traffic light separated our childhood homes. And so it's really weird to know that, like, he went to the high school down the road. And that, I don't know, that's, like, the weird part, that his, like, family just, like, lived there. But he went on an Alaskan odyssey in 1992 and died four months in of starvation. Bus 142 was his shelter during the time at that river. He called it Magic Bus, and it has since, after being heavily featured in photographs of the late Chris McCandless, has been, that was, these photos used in, like, news pieces, and then John Krakauer's 1996 nonfiction book Into the Wild and the 2007 movie based on the book. Basically, this bus became a pilgrimage spot for adventurous hikers. So, like, why pilgrimage there was that many people saw it as an adventures, adventure, and then others wanted to see what it was that, like, McCandless saw and experienced. And, like, then they try to attempt the return home that, like, he couldn't make. So he tried to actually leave three months into his stay at this bus, but as he attempted to make his way back, he arrived at the crossing of the Telenica River. But because the river was rush- running so fast and high from like rain and snow melt of the glaciers, because he went in like the spring, he was actually unable to make his way across, according to Krakauer. So when he crossed it, it wasn't flowing that much. But <laughs> three months later, things changed. Defeated, he turned around and headed back 
towards the bus, and he survived there for about another month before he died in August of 1992. He survived for more than 110 days on nothing but a 10-pound sack of rice and also what he could hunt and forage in the unforgiving taiga. He was found with his few uh, provisions, including a 22 caliber rifle, a diary, and 113 cryptic notes on the back of pages of the book that identified edible plants. Hmm. Basically, what I learned from like a text reading this te- the Into the Wild in college and getting some further research, it seems like besides starvation, another thing that did him in was that he misidentified a plant and oh. ate that. And if he had just been able to hold out just a little bit longer, hunters were coming up in the area anyway for the summer oh. and would have found him. So it's yeah. it's just it was really bad timing. Yeah. So despite knowing that there's dangers, it's hard to reach this bus. Chris McCandless didn't make it out alive there. A lot of folks did try to go there, and some have died or have had to be airlifted by emergency services. Yeah, because so, because Alaska is so big, like if yeah. you're not experienced enough as like a hiker and forager. Mm-hmm. Things can get real bad real fast. And the thing is, like, no one knew that he was up there either. Mm. He got, he hitchhiked his way there and got dropped off at, like, the mouth of a pretty hard hiking trail um, by, like, a random stranger. And he wasn't good about, like, telling people where he was going. Right. And so, like, no one knew to come get him, basically, or, like, to even look for him. And that's an important... I We all know I don't go outside. But yeah. that, I know that's an important rule of hiking, which is if you're planning on going alone, one, reconsider. Take yeah. a buddy instead. And two, if you absolutely insist on going alone, make sure somebody knows where you are going and when you are to be expected back so that they know if something goes wrong, when to start worrying. Yeah. I have a friend from college right now who's hiking the Appalachian Trail. She's oh, made God. it so far a quarter of the way. Yeah. And actually, her timing was really good, because I think, like, the coronavirus stuff started, like, right when she started her hike. Oh, so she's so just, like, she, living in blissful ignorance. She's, like, yeah, she, she knows what's going on, because she's still staying connected, and it's easier yeah. to stay connected while on the trail now more than ever before. Yeah. But she's not seeing many people, so... <laughs> so she's um, like, I don't have to wear a mask. Right, so she's she's a quarter of the way, but she's also doing that alone, but she's doing it with frequent check-ins. Yes, and that's, so, the only, like, mm-hmm. if you want to go out on a big hike by yourself, say, Mm -hmm. okay, hey, friend, I am supposed to be, I will, I'm planning on coming back on this day. Mm -hmm. If you do not hear from me by this day, call for help, because something has gone wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, some examples of people who have been in danger here. In 2019, a 24-year-old woman from Belarus died while trying to reach the bus. Ugh. In 2010, a Swiss hiker drowned trying to cross the river that made McCandless reconsider and turn around. And then this past February, five Italian hikers were rescued on a hike, one with severe frostbite. Since the early 2000s, at least 15 other people have been rescued, despite warnings from people being like, you know, people of the state being like, hey, don't do that. Yeah, you know, the whole reason that that person sadly died is because... It's extremely difficult to do, right? So you maybe right. shouldn't do it unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. Don't go outside, you guys. It is a so, trap. The reason why I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about this is because this weekend, <laughs> in mid-June of 2020, the hey. Alaska National Guard airlifted the bus. <laughs> hey! <laughs> they used... A, the, and the photos and the video are amazing, because it's a Black Hawk helicopter flying a <laughs> bus out of the bus. woods. It's... <laughs> It's a, it was, like, just a very striking image, considering, like, I read this book, I saw the movie, like, I was actually kind of obsessed with this Chris McCandless story. It wasn't so much that I wanted to go see it, it was more like, why did he... The, the, the Chris McCandless story is a little bit deeper, he gives up everything he yeah. has, and then goes on, like, just these big hikes. It's it's the peak of white privilege, but... Yeah. But it was just... Some this transcendentalism very, nonsense. It, Actually, yes, he was very inspired by the Transcendentalists. And Henry David Thoreau, more like Henry David, my mom still does my laundry and a lady comes by once a week to bring me food, Thoreau. 
more like I'm going to Henry David Thoreau up. Hey! Um, hey. Yours was better because it was shorter, but mine was more <laughs> historically accurate. Don't let so, the transcendentalists tell you what to do. Right. But so I read this in a literature class, but it's about like America and mm-hmm. like the death of the American dream. So we, we read about him. But so it was like this like very fascinating, morbidly fascinating story. Yeah. So so that's kind of also what I wanted to read about it. So yeah. The the Army, Alaska National Guard cleared away vegetation. They cut holes in the bus's roof and floor and basically hooked straps to it. So it's like on a swing. So I, I definitely like encourage everyone to go look for photos of this because it is. We will put some on the Instagram. It is, it I'm is the most bananas thing to see a, a helicopter flying a full on bus. It, so they're basically trying to keep oh, it yeah, in look a. At that. Right? Right? Isn't that weird? It looks super fake. <laughs> yeah, it looks so. It looks silly. It looks silly. like you get this in an email forward and be like, this is obviously photoshopped. <laughs> right. But it's real. But it's so a real thing. They haven't said where they're putting it. There are some people well, hoping to... because if they say, to... people are going to start going to it again. Right. Well, they're pr- trying to put it somewhere safe or somewhere more accessible that can be monitored and maybe mm-hmm. even turned into like some kind of museum exhibit. Yeah. Um, because over the years, like people drop off things there. They take like you know, trinkets, mm-hmm. rocks, you know, they, they leave, like, sentimental value things yeah. there. So, you know, and, and it's also been overtaken by the elements, and so it's only been getting worse since 1992, which most of the photos are from. Right. So, like, there, there's some, like, hope to preserve it somewhere. The Alaska Army National Guard found a suitcase inside the bus that they believed might have held um, some sentimental value to the McCandless family. But Corrine McCandless, who is Chris McCandless's youngest sister, said that she doesn't believe that the suitcase belonged to her brother, but it might have some journals that that he and some others had left behind on their own journeys to the bus. And actually, she has also been to the bus as well. Like the fam- Some members of the family have traveled out there like mm-hmm. after he died. But again, they don't know what they're going to do with it. Basically, they're just hoping that the actions that they took will avoid future deaths and injuries and ser- reduce search and rescue costs, at least for that area. Yeah. And it's this interesting thing because like, Corrine McCandless was also saying that she, she felt very overwhelmed with emotion finding out that the bus had been moved because like she was kind of saddened about it but she also knows that it was done with good intentions towards public safety and also that the bus did not belong to chris it doesn't belong to the mccandless family and for the people who have been making those journeys the journey wasn't about the bus it was like more about like what chris had done Mm -hmm. and so it's it was like just kind of like an emotional thing for her Mm. and also, coincidentally, the story popped up when I was researching the Alaskan Triangle, which you had encouraged me to look up. Yes. Where people were like, Chris McCandless went into the woods and didn't come out. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, ah. That happens <laughs> a lot in Alaska. A, yeah, that happens a lot in Alaska. But do you want to do another ghost story before I talk about the Alaskan Triangle? I sure do. Okay, I forgot to cite my sources before because I am all discombobulated. So all of my ghost stories come from Anchorage Daily News, PrincessLodges.com, OnlyInYourState.com, EchoAK.com, Alaska Historical Society, HauntedRooms.com, OnlyInYourState. I cited twice. That's fine. We're trying our best. And HauntedPlaces.com. Princess Lodges had a lot of cool ghost stories. I didn't read them, but they had a yeah. lot. Yeah, I got, I got a couple of these started on Princess Lodges because Princess Lodges is like... You guys like ghosts? Great news. Alaska is haunted. AF. So you want to stay in a hotel? <laughs> do you want that hotel to be haunted? We got you, We boo. got you. So this is the tale of Scary Mary. <laughs> Check into the Golden North Hotel in Skagway, and you're risking an encounter with Scary Mary. When she was just Mary, before she was scary, she and her fiancé Ike, called Klondike Ike, because this is the kind of story where everyone's names rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm Courtney like Courtney Mortney. Yeah, exactly. You can't do and it with Sasha my Basha. Name. <laughs> Sasha Basha and Courtney Mortney checked into a hotel. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think any of these are real people. No. Mostly because their names rhyme, so it seems like the kind of thing where it's like it's an urban legend. And they're like, what rhymes with scary? Mary. Mary. Oh, and what could her fiance's name be? Well, we're in the Klondike. Let's call him Mike. <laughs> anyway, so. Mary and her fiancé, Klondike Ike, checked into the Golden North Hotel in 1898. The next morning, Klondike Ike set off to strike it rich in Alaska's gold mines. To strike? To strike. <laughs> to Klondike strike. Klondike strike Ike. Klondike strike Ike. How many rhymes can we make for Ike? 
Anyway, let's keep making jokes because Klondike Ike does not come back. He goes out to get gold, and then that's the end of Klondike Ike. We don't know if he died. He just doesn't come back. So it's possible he was like, yep, honey, I'm definitely going to the gold mines. And then he, like, ran off for whatever reason. I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'll be back in a minute, and then he never comes back. It's possible he did that, but instead of a pack of cigarettes, it was a pack of gold. <laughs> or it, what's more likely is he was like, I'm going to provide for me and my fiance, Mary, who doesn't have a rhyming name, and I'm not going to look too much into it because I'm Klondike Ike. And he went out to the mines and something bad happened. Yeah. Mary waited and waited for Klondike Ike to come back so that they could eventually marry. She refused to leave the hotel room and eventually locked the door to continue her vigil. After weeks and weeks, concerned hotel employees finally broke the door down. Inside, they found Mary in her wedding dress, lying dead on the bed. But Mary was not done waiting for her fiancé. Guests at the Golden North Hotel now frequently see Scary Mary, redubbed, a pale woman in a white wedding dress. She's most often seen standing by the windows and watching for her lover, or in room 23 where her body was found. Scary Mary sometimes roams the halls, particularly on the third floor, and you'll know she goes by because you'll feel a cold wind whooshing past you. Whoosh. And that's, that's Scary Mary. Wow. Most upsettingly, Scary Mary sometimes likes to hover over guests' beds, reportedly looking to see if her beloved Klondike Ike has sought the company of another. If she thinks <laughs> she spots him, she will attempt to choke the person he's with. Oh, no. And that's why they what? call her Scary Mary. Scary Mary. She's not not coming back. (laughs) She's not Fairy Mary leaving people money for teeth or anything. Scary Mary. Yeah. Yikes. So that's Scary Mary. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. That's the episode title. (laughs) Yikes. Klondike yikes. (laughs) Klondike yikes. Okay, done. So Ike disappeared. Yes. Which segues nicely to other people who have gone missing. Except they're real, and Klondike Ike probably isn't. And you're like, the first tale is of a young man named... Named Ike. Klondike Ichabald, but everybody called him Ike. (laughs) Uh, Let's find out. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, so this is about the Alaskan Triangle. So I got this from Discovery Channel, Curiosity.com, and How Stuff Works. So we've heard legends, we've talked on this show before about the Bermuda Triangle or the Devil's Triangle, which is an area of ocean between Florida, Puerto Rico, and Bermuda. But a lot of the disappearance there are, you know, rumors, legends, and all of that. Yeah. The very serious, very real disappearance that have plagued Alaska for decades are actually, like, real, real. There's a region of wilderness that's known by names like Alaska's Bermuda Triangle, the Bermuda Triangle of Alaska, the Alaskan Triangle. And no matter what name it has, it's deadlier, like, actually deadlier than the tropical Bermuda Triangle. Whoops. So the border of the Alaskan Triangle stretches from Utkiavik formerly known as Barrow, on the state's north coast to Anchorage and to Juneau across the uh, southern coast and includes vast areas of largely unexplored wilderness. Basically, you're thinking about these big, sprawling forests, icy mountains, and desolate tundras that are not the safest places in the world, but people love to hike and people love to explore the unknown. They love to go into the unknown, a la Frozen 2. Um, <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you, don't listen to the transcendentalists? Right. They're full of shit. They've also, been I lying actually, to everyone for centuries. I haven't seen that Frozen 2 yet. I haven't I just either. know that my friends who have little kids really like that song. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to top that moment in Frozen 1 where she's like, we got a kiss. And he goes, oh, oh whatever the fuck your name is. I can't remember right now. And yeah. I think, oh, yeah, Anna, Anna. Mm-hmm. if uh, only Anna. someone yeah. loved you, that's the best moment in that goddamn movie. That was amazing. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it just got real. I loved Meanwhile, it. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm going to destroy that man. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. My, 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 the best moment in that movie is Olaf coming to life. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I Sasha and I are different as people. <laughs> yeah, I love Olaf. Anyway. Um, anyway. So, basically not the safest place in the world, and hundreds of search and rescue missions conducted every year 
sometimes state troopers, the Alaska National Guard, any of these search and rescue things, they don't find traces of the bodies, dead or alive. They know that someone has gone missing, they can't find them, and they're just missing forever. Dang. So the Alaskan Triangle first received widespread attention when U.S. House Majority Leader Hale Boggs' airplane vanished somewhere between Anchorage and Juneau in 1972. The disappearance triggered one of the country's largest ever search and rescue operations involving 40 military aircraft, 50 civilian planes, and 39 days of searching an area of 32,000 square miles. Yet the search yielded not a shred of results, no wreckage, no debris, no human remains. They couldn't find anything of this missing plane. This reminds me of when you were brainstorming ideas for me to Mm -hmm. research, and you were like, Teresa says that seaplanes go missing all the time. And it's like... They sure do. They sure do. There there is a small silver lining to uh, uh, Hale Boggs' plane going down, is that Congress actually then passed a law mandating the installation of emergency locator transmissions in all U.S. uh, civilian aircraft. Well, that's good. So because of that, they were like, oh, shit, we need to actually know where these planes are going. Yeah, if a plane disappears, we need to know how to find it. Yeah. Back in 1950, a military craft with 44 passengers disappeared without a trace as well. And a Cessna 340 carrying a pilot and four passengers vanished in 1990, also never to be heard from again. And disappearances without a trace are strangely typical of these cases in the region. Since 1988, more than 16,000 people have vanished in the Alaskan Triangle. Uh, This contributes to the annual filing of roughly four missing persons reports for every 1,000 people in Alaska, which is more than twice the national average. So it's a lot of people who go missing. And basically, the question is like, so is this nature or is it, you know, something more sinister, unnatural, you know, horrific thing? And it's easy to write off the disappearance of people getting lost and succumbing to the elements, but then... The speculation is that the numbers seem too staggering for such an easy answer. Mm -hmm. One potential reason for the disappearing planes is that the terrain just utterly obliterates them. In 1947, the British South American Airways Lancastrian 3 airliner Stardust disappeared en route from Buenos Aires, Argentina to Santiago, Santiago, Chile. Its fate was unknown for 50 years, and two Argentinian climbers found the plane's wreckage when ascending Mount uh, Tupungato in 1998, and they thought that the stardust had crashed into a nearly vertical glacier, which caused an avalanche that buried it within minutes. Oh my god. Basically, as an example, is that like... It happened there, and they're like, oh, this is how this happens in Alaska, because there's a lot of glaciers in Alaska. Glaciers, yeah. And But it's like, you can't expect an avalanche to take down every single plane that right. had gone missing over the Alaskan Triangle. They're also yeah. wondering about what about the lost hikers, tourists, Alaskan mm-hmm. residents who aren't in plane. And so that's where you get, like, less scientific theories where people, people start thinking about more supernatural forces at play. So yeah. the author, Dennis Waller, wrote in his book... The Search for Kushtaka, Alaska's Other Bigfoot, The Land Otter Man of the Tlingit Indians. Um, I'm sorry, did you say the man otter? Land Otter Man. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. He explores the history of the mythical shape-shifting creatures that are found in the stories of the Tlingit and the uh, Tsimashian Indians that are indigenous to southern Alaska. And so, yes, the Kushtaka is basically Land Otter Man, and it's the Bigfoot of the Alaskan Triangle. And so the legend is that this creature appears to travelers in some kind of irresistible form, like a relative or a vulnerable child, to lure victims to a nearby river where it tears them to shred or turns them into another kushtaka. Interesting. Yeah. There's also a more grounded explanation, and this gels with what I heard in the glacier um, episode of Ologies, Mm -hmm. was that the deceptively beautiful glaciers of Alaska have just swallowed many of the people and planes. I get that. <laughs> glaciers Again, are it's so beautiful it looks fake. Yeah, glaciers are actually honeycombed and they have like hidden chambers and stuff inside and cre- crevices that can be larger than houses or even buildings. Mm-hmm. And you also get snow falling in the northern climate. It's not unreasonable to f- think that someone's going to going to like be buried by nature um, yeah. up and there. I, I will say, I learned on my trolley tour that one of the most common ways to get around Alaska is by those little seaplanes. Yeah. Because so, it's a big state. 
Yeah. And so they're basically the best thing advice they give you is like to stay safe and tell people where you're going <laughs> and like where you are as yeah. often as you can. Um, because yeah, nature is metal and it will get you. And Alaska, so here's like my skip my, my skepticalness about like this Alaskan quote unquote triangle is that Alaska's really fucking big and a lot of it is not developed. <laughs> it's just wild. So like yeah. of course people would go missing. Like I it's it's yeah. I'm like, if you, you know, if you go hiking in Virginia, you go to like the Shenandoah National Forest. Yeah. If you go missing, someone will find you. It's not big. If, if basically, if you hike downhill <laughs> yeah. in Shenandoah National Park, you'll hit a river and you'll yep. hit a town. Like, yep. you're it's not going to be in danger. But if you are in Alaska, which again is 14 times bigger than the state of Virginia, you start walking downhill and you will keep walking downhill. You'll keep you walking die. downhill. There will be nothing for you to find. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's where I'm like, skeptical of the actual Alaskan triangle and more that Alaska is big and nature is scary. Yes. Alaska is not to be trusted. Mm. (laughs) Like weather wise (laughs) or terrain wise. Also, if you hear purring, I'm very sorry. My cat is being exceptionally. (gasps) Why are you, why are you, uh, why are you apologizing for purring? Yes. Bite your comb. Anyway, do you want to hear about another ghost? Yeah. Well, this ghost is in a place that I have actually seen. Ooh. So, Scary Mary is not the only ghost in a white dress wandering around Alaska. At Anchorage's West High School, which is the a place that I visited via that trolley tour that I took through downtown Anchorage, which was fairly silly, but also extremely cheap and came with a coupon book. So, there don't you knock go. it till you try it. Most notably, this high school, the site of decades ago, they had a really terrible earthquake like they just had another one but like this was like a really bad earthquake and like Mm -hmm. the land literally split so there's like a 15 foot drop still where it's just like land 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 nope and the high school was one of the places where it hit pretty bad anyway yeah so at anchorage's west high school there are rumors that the auditorium is super haunted the lady in white as she is most frequently known woman in a color Mm-hmm. Most often pops up during rehearsals in the auditorium. A student stage manager reportedly saw her opening an off-limits door backstage during a dress rehearsal. When he came to tell the mysterious woman off for breaking the rules, she had already vanished. Mm. Another time, two assistant principals and a security guard were checking in on the auditorium when they saw something white flash past them behind the balcony. To this date, one of the assistant principals refuses to discuss what he saw because it scared him so badly. That's so scary. Now, Sasha, you work in education. How are assistant principals generally? They're not, like, prone to flights of fancy. No, they really aren't. Not usually. (laughs) Anyway, the lady in white once appeared in the balcony while a class was actually happening. A student raised her hand and said, do you see her? And when everybody turned to look, the lady in white was gone. No, thank you. (laughs) She has some ghostly company, though. West High School also has the ghost of a janitor hanging around, like, in the main Uh, building. uh And he's usually spotted sweeping the lobby. And he also will turn lights on and off seemingly at random. And sometimes you can hear his footsteps wandering the hallway. So at least Mm. she's got a friend. Yeah, at least. (laughs) You know, it's fine. It's fine. There's also a haunted auditorium at the University of Alaska. So the Wendy Williamson Auditorium there has a half-finished catwalk and an empty elevator shaft. So already it feels spooky. That has nothing to do with the ghosts. These are just things that that auditorium has. (laughs) A half-finished catwalk. Yeah. Like, finish your catwalk. Finish your elevator shaft. Finish your elevator shaft. Put an elevator in there. Oh, my God. That sounds like a major hazard. It sure does. You know what else is a major hazard? How ghosts? many ghosts are in this auditorium? Ghosts oh, aren't no. real, but that's fine. So there are the ghosts of a man, woman, multiple children, and a teenage boy. They have all caused mayhem all over this auditorium. Oh, God. Some locals speculate that the excess of spiritual activity is the result of a nearby psychiatric ward and a youth correctional facility, but to them I say, and this is reading directly from my notes, stop promoting the stigma of mental illness, and also the school-to-prison pipeline is gross without you blaming it for ghosts. Right. So, let's leave them out of it. I want to blame the half-finished catwalk. I think that's why there are more ghosts. Probably (laughs) they fell off the fucking catwalk that's not done. 
Or <laughs> down the elevator shaft. That shit is dangerous. Yeah. Like, take care of your shit, University of Alaska. We're putting you on blast. <laughs> the gaggle of ghosts have sent props flying, shattered stage lights, and their favorite trick, which is they slam the doors shut in the women's restroom. And they like to wait to do that one until somebody's in a stall. So, like, Ooh. imagine you're pooping in the auditorium at the University of Alaska. You're like, I really want to get back to this show of Moon Over Buffalo, but I got to poop. Let's do this. So you, like, I go to the bathroom, you close the door, and then you're done with your business. You try to open the door, and it's jammed, and you cannot get out. So the unfortunate occupant will be trapped yelling in there till somebody comes to help. Oh, no. One of the ghosts also really hates brunette women with long hair. And so if you are a brunette woman with long hair and you go to this auditorium, be careful in the lobby stairs because this ghost will try and push you down them. Okay. And he only does it to women with brown long hair. So basically I shouldn't go there. No. Or like wear a wig. It doesn't say if the ghost is checking for wigs. Yeah, I was going to say like how smart is this ghost? I mean... He sounds like a misogynist with a very specific hair preference, so I'm going to go with not smart, because misogyny isn't smart. Performances in the auditorium are most likely to summon spirits, so most of the props that have gone flying have been during performances, so people in the audience will be like, what a great effect, and it's like, we didn't, that wasn't, fine, whatever. (laughs) A woman in white, so another lady in a color, maybe the lady lady in in white. From West High School. We don't know. So the woman in white will appear on stage and she'll cast weird shadows and people will hear her echoing footsteps during shows. I -hmm. think she just wants to be part of the fun. Because who doesn't want to be in a play? And, you know, she's been dead for a long time. So she's like, let's do this. (laughs) And then... The ghosts of the children and the teenage boy like to sit in the audience and giggle throughout performances, but if anybody turns around to shush them or see who's giggling, they disappear. Ooh. Yeah. Spooky. Begich Towers Condominium is home to the vast majority of residents in Whittier, Alaska. There are only 215 residents of Whittier, so it's impressive, but it's not that impressive. Okay. (laughs) Because I was like... How the fuck do most people in this town live in the same building? And then it's like, there's only 215 of them. I'm like, oh, I've been in marching bands bigger than this. I understand now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In addition to the stores, church, and public utilities all in these towers. So it's one of those, like, self-contained condominiums where, like, in the event that you are snowed in, everything you need is in there. But in the event you are snowed in, you are not going anywhere. So the towers are home to a bunch of ghosts. One likes to roam the building whistling. But mm-hmm. if you go to search for the source of the sound, there's no one there. Another ghost mm-hmm. endlessly stomps up and down the stairs. But again, you go to be like, hey, can you keep it down? And there's nobody there. Nobody there. There's also a friendly kitchen ghost who mostly just rustles around in the pantry. But okay. the residents of these towers are like, it just gets spooky in the winter because if we get snowed in, it'll take a long time to clear the roads. And yeah. most people are in this tower. So if we're snowed in, we are We are stuck. snowed in. Yeah. Then you have what I called in my notes the Motherlode of Ghosts at the Motherlode Lodge. <laughs> the historic Motherlode Lodge in Palmer is haunted by the ghosts that are as old as the building itself. Mm-hmm. Guests report a misty black apparition roaming the grounds. If you stop to look at yourself in one of the mirrors on the property, you may see a figure dressed in period clothing standing directly behind you. But if you turn around to look, no one's there. Loud knocking can be heard throughout the lodge alongside banging, and most upsettingly, the disembodied voice of a little girl. Hey, can I ask a question? Yes. If I turn around, no one's there, how do I know it's wearing period clothing? Because you see it in the mirror. Oh, so you see it in the mirror. Okay, so Yeah, so you're like checking yourself out, and you're like, this wig looks great. That ghost is definitely not going to push me down the stairs. (laughs) And then then... you'll see, like, somebody dressed in old-timey clothes behind you, and you're like, what the fuck? And there's nobody there. Classic horror movie. I wonder if it would work in the situation where you and I are face, uh, we're like Skyping. Oh yeah, maybe. And it's just like directly behind me. And then I like turn around and then it's gone. Right. I'd be like, Courtney behind you. Spooky. And late at night in these towers, doors and curtains will open and close on their own, seemingly at random. So, you know. Ooh. Seems fine. Motherlode Lodge. You can stay there still. It's apparently super old and historic. Oh. So. Well, I like it. 
All right, do you want to tell me about some conspiracy theories? Yeah, I'll tell you about some science and conspiracy theories. Love so it. this is about the H-A-A-R-P or the HARP. <laughs> Sorry. HARP. 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 Um, and I got my research from HARP, <laughs> the Atlas Obscura and NBC News. So in 2014, the U.S. Air Force notified Congress that it intended to shut down HARP, a controversial Alaska-based research facility that studies an energetic and active region of the upper atmosphere. So if you go and look at this facility from a distance, it basically just looks like a parking lot filled with oversized television antenna, and it's the home of the high-frequency Alter- active Auroral Research Program, or H-A-A-R-P. Basically, Har- the high frequency is just the H part, and so it's not Hafarp. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it were Hafarp. That's rip great. Of Hafarp. Where do you work? Oh, I work at Hafarp. <laughs> the Hafart? No, the Hafart. No, 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 the Hafart. Puh. He is in Penguin. <laughs> a government research facility that focused on this the physical and electrical properties of the Earth's ionosphere. It was set against an Alaskan forest, and it was basically, to certain conspiracy theorists, neither a research program nor TV antenna, but actually a device to control the weather, also a space weapon, and also a death ray. I love um, how many conspiracy theories are like, we can control the weather. And it's like, right. really? You think that? And you think this is the weather we choose? Right? Yeah. yeah. That shit. Yeah. So the ionosphere is the portion of the upper atmosphere that reaches about 53 miles above the surface of the Earth to about 370 miles up. It was a program that was funded by the Air Force, the Navy, the University of Alaska, and the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, also known as DARPA. And the goal of the program was to basically understand the physics of the ionosphere, which is constantly responding to influences from the sun. So solar Mm. flares can send particles racing towards the Earth and would occasionally disrupt communications and the electrical grid. And so scientists were thinking that maybe they could better understand what happens in the ionosphere, then maybe they can mitigate some of those problems with sun flares. But basically, by 2014, the Air Force was like, eh, we have no interest in maintaining the site. And they only had about one project left that was wrapping up in 2014 anyway. So they were like, yeah, we don't really need this facility anymore for, like, our purposes. So then conspiracy theorists were like, oh, my God, like, why are they shutting it down? Like, there's got to be something, you know, crazy that's happening. Because it was that, like, center of wild speculation that this is controlling the weather, or it's doing worse things. So in 2010, the Venezuelan leader Hugo Chavez claimed that HARP, or a program like HARP, HARP actually triggered the earthquake in Haiti. The earthquake in Haiti was caused by the slippage of a previously unmapped fault along the border of the Caribbean and the North American tectonic plates. You expect me to believe that tectonic plates cause earthquakes? Okay. Okay. You sound like you work for HAFARP. <laughs> so conspiracy theory theorists thought that like yeah this is a very sinister program. They thought that it was also blame uh, for to blame for the 2011 earthquake and tsunami in Japan, the Moore Oklahoma tornado of 2013, a landslide in 2006 in the Philippines, and basically any major national disaster. Natural disaster. Other conspiracy theorists have also proposed that HARP actually controls people's minds or is capable of altering the very fabric of reality. This starts kind of making me think about, like, Again, you think this is the reality they chose? Right? This is not a great reality to be in. Uh, But (laughs) also that kind of reminds me of, like, the Blue Book project that, like, they keep talking about in, well, it it was a real thing in the 60s, has a lot of conspiracy conspiracy theories around it, but also, if you've seen Twin Peaks, it kind Mm -hmm. of reminded me of that. But also, you think that, one, we have the money to do that kind of research, and also this is the the reality that we've chosen. This is what we wanted. Yeah. No Um, one's happy. Yeah. And so there's basically like little to no evidence that HARP had any kind of potential use as even a weapon or anything that could be used that's nefarious. One of the stated aims of the project was to generate either very low frequencies or extremely low frequencies for communications with submarines and maybe Hmm. use those also in remotely searching for, like, mineral content. Oh. And it's also bounced low-frequency signals off of the moon 
in a lunar echo experiment and they invited amateur radio enthusiasts to like listen in and like participate in the experiments oh that's cool and they would like hold open houses and stuff too to like invite people to come and like look at what they were doing (laughs) and like try to shake off conspiracy theorists yeah it's Um, just good clean nerdy fun for the whole family right in august 2015 the site was officially handed over by the u.s government to the university of alaska not really you know they I think the University of Alaska is probably still using it for different, like, scientific research things. But I mean, they again, can't even finish their catwalk, though, so... That's true. So it's like, it's not... If, if the University of Alaska can't finish their catwalk, they're certainly not using this facility to generate earthquakes. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to talk about man-made earthquakes, you can talk about fracking, but that's hey. something completely different than what yeah, they were doing here. Yeah, what the here. frick frack? We are so, causing those earthquakes. Right? What the frick frack? So that's a weird science thing that people thought was... <laughs> I love weird science things, though. Yeah. So They're some of my favorite things. Yep. Next time I do trivia, I'm going to do a weird science things category. <gasps> just weird decided. science things. Weird science weird things. Science weird things. science things. I'll ask a question about Hafarp. Hafarp. All right, are you ready to hear about another woman in another color? Another woman in another color. So this is the woman in black at the Baranoff Castle State Historic Site. Mm. In downtown Sitka sits the Baranoff Castle. I wrote that to sabotage myself clearly, and yet I flawlessly said Sitka sits. And then so you stopped it, it to tell us all. Because I was really proud of myself. You so are, screw I'm you, very, very proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Kurt Courtney is crushing it in this timeline that we have chosen via Hafarp. 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 I need Bill- to Hafarp. <laughs> Whom among us? Whom among us? <laughs> Built by the Russians in the 1800s to replace a Tlingit fortification, Baranoff Castle is the exact spot where the Russians transferred the state of Alaska to the U.S. in 1867 as part of the purchase that would come to be known as Seward's Folly. Mm-hmm. So, basically, the Russians claimed the land. I believe they conquered some shit from the native peoples. And then Russia was like, what if we just sell it to these Americans? And the Secretary of State at the time was a guy called Seward. And Seward was like, that sounds great. I'm going to buy this basically worthless land. And everybody was like, you fucking idiot. It's so cold up there. What the fuck do you want us to do? The sun goes down in September and we don't see it it for six months. Yeah. And so they called it Seward's Folly. But then we found oil there and we were happy. Anyway, in 1867, when the Russians transferred the state that they had stolen over to the U.S., they signed whatever documents at Baranoff Castle. But with the transfer of the beautiful and historic castle came a price. The ghost of the woman in black. Before she was a ghost, this woman was a Russian aristocrat and possible daughter of the governor. She had fallen in love with someone her family did not approve of. Her aristocratic family arranged a marriage for her instead with a much more suitable and prosperous man. But rather than going through with the wedding, the woman took her own life on her (gasps) wedding night. Oh, jeez. But even after her family moved out of the castle as it transferred ownership, she kept hanging around. Newspapers reported her ghostly presence as being beautiful, wearing a black robe of mourning, and dripping diamonds from head to toe. Whoa. This is how I want my ghost to appear. Right? Wearing a dripping comfy diamonds. robe and fucking dripping diamonds. So, respect the drip. You love it. You can visit Baranoff Castle in Sitka to catch a view of the ghost or just look at it because it's a pretty historic building. Mm-hmm. And if you see her reportedly she will bemoan her tragic fate and call out for her lost love, which is very sad. You are most likely to see her at social events at the castle where she will make an appearance, look around, and then suddenly vanish. Do you want me to make you feel better? Yes. She probably never existed because there were no adult daughters of any of the Russian governors in Sitka. Okay. (laughs) I feel better. (laughs) I I saw one account on some, like, local newspaper site that was like, Unless at five she was really upset about her arranged marriage, this probably didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) So, it's fine. Okay, that's good. But it's a nice, it's one of those, like, sappy romantic ghost stories that we love so much. Everyone loves a sappy romantic ghost story. Yeah. I watched The Spirit of Christmas. That's all that movie is. That's all that movie is. Yeah. There was something recently that reminded me of spirit of christmas and not i can't remember what it was but basically oh. i think all hallmark movies are now the spirit of christmas i mean if we lived in our preferred timeline they would be yeah 
That's how you know that Hafarp never worked. Right. Because <laughs> all movies are all not the Hallmark spirit of Christmas. are not the spirit of Christmas. So <laughs> what are we even doing, you guys? Yeah. Anyway, that's the spoop, some of the spoopy shit that's in Alaska. There's even more. Like I, There really <laughs> is. Yeah. 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 A lot of spooky shit has happened in Alaska. If you are familiar with an Alaskan ghost story or if you yes. live or have ever been to Anchorage and you know a really good spooky story that happened in Alaska that we did not cover... Email spookhour at gmail.com. Tell, Tell us. us. Well, all we want to hear is the spooky shit. And, like, Alaska is spooky and dark. And right now it's not dark, so now's the best time to talk about spooky shit in Alaska because you, you're still not going to be able to sleep because the sun's up, but it's fine. And if you're Canadian, <laughs> same goes to you, too. Because yeah, same deal. Some of y'all live north. <laughs> yeah, some of y'all live in the place where the sun does not go down right now. So yeah. if you've ever been to a place where the sun doesn't go down, email spoopoutgmail.com and tell me about your experience. I brought if an eye mask. you in the upper peninsula fun. of Michigan, even. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just talk to us. We're on Twitter and Instagram at spoopour. Email spoopour@gmail.com. I don't think we have anything else to plug right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, nope. hang in there. You donate to Black Lives Matter and organizations you trust and want Mm -hmm. to support if you can Mm -hmm. if you can stay inside your house wash your hands don't touch your face yeah and if you can't donate boost signal boost sign lend your voice petitions yeah that's just important donate your time the one i donated to most recently was the okra project which specifically seeks out black trans people who are in bad situations and so to try and support them it provides home-cooked meals and that's I really like that. But basically, yeah, like there, there's so many different pl- ways to help. So yeah, find you something can. that you're passionate about. If you can spare a couple dollars, give a couple dollars to that. If not, volunteer time, yeah. signal boost, use your social them, to make others aware of it. Yeah. yeah. If you have rich friends, tell your rich friends to donate to things you care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. T- get their money. This. Yeah. Zelda is yelling at me. So <laughs> this is us signing off. Thank you for listening to another episode of Spoop Hour. Do not go into the wilderness. I've said it so many times, and still you do it. So, no into the wild. No. We're little bitches. They're full of bullshit. If you want to know our English major thoughts about it, you can join our Patreon and suggest it as a bone cone because I have a lot of (laughs) thoughts about those transcendentalist douchebags. So, whatever. Except Louisa May Alcott. She's okay. But all the other ones can eat a bag of dicks. So, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. Hey, this is Clay. This is Corey. And we are the Two Dads Review Podcast. Uh, what do we talk about, Corey? Movies? Yes. Uh, TV shows? Yes. And we're dads? Are those all questions? Y- yes. Oh, okay. Well, find all that and more over at twodadsreview.com and your favorite podcast app. Do you have anything about people going missing? Uh, no, mine is exclusively ghosts. Okay, cool. Or like so, ghosts that of people who went missing. Or are they all so. murder ghosts? Uh, they're mostly ghosts that are of people who never existed. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's hard to answer. Okay. Did they go missing or did they never? I mean, are ghosts real? Are ghosts real? So, to answer your question, no, I don't think there will be any overlap. <laughs> okay. All right. So, like, what of mine is my, called Scary Mary? So, like, uh, okay, I don't think she's I, a I real person. I almost read that story, but I didn't. Yeah, because she, she didn't go okay. missing. Because she wasn't real. She didn't go missing. <laughs>